Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And it's been a long, but we finally get to have a victorious version of Believe in Saints. I'm your host, David Grubb, alongside the man, Terrence Copper. And TC, man, we, we were struggling. You know, last week... You know, as we got ready for this game, as we, you know, talked about it, it was hard to have a lot of confidence in the Saints. I mean, you know, you we'd gotten to a point. AK was talking to the team, talking about a lack of fire. We even mm-hmm. had the reports that Sean Payton came into the, the building last week, you know, and came to yeah. talk to some folks. There we go. You come back and you not only win, which they had to do, but they get a shutout at home, in front of their people, and the guys who needed to come up big, defensively, offensively, all did so. It was the most complete performance of the season. If I could sum that game up in one word, I would say dominance. Dominance is the one word I would say. Uh, The way our defense played, man, lights out. Not allowing them to cross the 50-yard line till what, late in the fourth quarter? That's unheard of. You know how hard it is to shut an NFL team out to zero? You know, so I'm excited about the day, man. I mean, what we did is what we needed to do. Uh, We needed to do it not just for the victory, but just to boost our confidence back up. And just so everybody can understand, listen, if we don't turn the ball over, if we don't do the things that is getting us beat, we could do this every weekend. Because honestly, this is what – of course, not blowing the team out and dominating the team the way we sit, the way we saw this weekend, but we feel like we can play consistent ball this way the rest of the season going out. Yeah, I mean, the formula is simple in the NFL. It's win time of possession, don't turn the ball over, and play solid defense. If you do those three things and you get the ball to your playmakers the way the Saints did a great job in finally, mm-hmm. we hadn't gotten an Alvin Kamara touchdown all season, we get three on Sunday. So like, yeah, it don't, it don't take a genius to understand, give Alvin the ball in space and let him do what he does. He did it as a receiver. He did it as a runner. Mm -hmm. He looked healthy. He looked quick and the line, we got to give them their credit too. Not only did they open up holes for him and give him opportunities, but they protected very well for Andy. He was never really under pressure. Didn't get sacked. The offensive line did a fantastic job, too. No, oh, they did. They did. Like I said, Andy looked so comfortable back there throwing. Uh, he didn't look rattled at all. Uh, we spreaded the ball around a lot. Uh, the play calling was great. Defensive play calling was great. Special teams was great. Stopping a fake punt. Uh, you know, we just played complimentary football uh, the whole entire night. 
you know, and, but like I said, we can do that every night. We can do it every time we come out to play. Uh, so, but this game was really a morale booster. This game was a confidence booster. Uh, it was needed because now we're right back in the hunt. We was never really out of the hunt, but with Atlanta winning, you know, if we would have lost this game, that would put us back a couple of games. You know, so the fact that, you know, we're still in the hunt, the winning division, the, our goal is still at hand. And the first goal is to win the division. And with the, and just to, you know, to sidetrack on that real quick, you look at it, the Saints have the tiebreaker over Atlanta right now, too. That's the benefit, yep. too, because on the back end, and they've got to come to New Orleans. So you won at Atlanta. They got to come to New Orleans late in the season. That's what you want if you're the Saints. Like you said, you're a game out mm-hmm. and you hold the tiebreaker over the division leader and you still got your second opportunity with these teams. Now, look, like you said, and, and you pointed this out last week, too, when you're talking about the Carolina Panthers and what P.J. Mm-hmm. could do under center – and it, it ain't his fault they lost that game. <laughs> they he, right. he gave them the opportunity to win. You get the penalty and you yep. lose the, you know, and you don't get the extra point and you lose the game in overtime. But that young man is growing up too. It looks like the Buccaneers are just continuing to fall off, but the Panthers are not going away, I don't think, like you said. And it looks like Atlanta, at the very least, can be competitive. Definitely. I, and the great thing about it is I see Carolina being a tough matchup. But and you mentioned that you see the Bucks kind of falling off, but the Bucks really had that game when they played the Ravens. The Bucks was winning that game, you know. So it's not like the Bucks are just, you know, they're playing terrible. They're not finishing games the way they need to be mm-hmm. finishing games, you know. So the Bucks are still in this race. Our division is right now is still wide open uh, with with even with the records that we have. I still feel like anybody can take this division, but the way that the Saints played this weekend. And if we can continue what we're doing, not necessarily being as dominant as we were. I mean, that's tough to be dominant like this week in and week out. But if we found the formula, which I feel like we found the formula, because you got to think about it. The, the Raiders, they just came off of a three-game hot streak. Yeah. They won two of the last three games and only losing to the Chiefs by one point. You know, so they came into here hot. Uh, they knew their game plan. They've been running the ball very well. But that's one thing we got them away from. Once we jumped out on them early, they had to abandon the run. And, and that's why I think we killed them. At the, the Raiders are not a team where you can just come out and just throw it every single down. You've got to utilize the running back. they got to get their run game going. Then they can play actually off of that. But once you shut the run game down, it goes back to the same old Raiders. The Raiders, they're very inconsistent, not a good team. And they did – the Saints did a great job, like you said, defensively of – making Derek Carr um, not be able to get with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams only had, like, five targets the entire game. So you do that, and, and we talk about week one, they were – I think Derek Carr targeted Devontae Adams, like, 17 times. Mm-hmm. And we talk, I mean, that's his guy. They go – you know, going yeah. all the way back to Fresno State. And you, the Saints, limit them to five targets, again, for, defensively. The two people, I think, who get the biggest amount of credit for yesterday – I think defensively as a, a team effort, of course, but the two standouts mm-hmm. for me, the rookie, Alante Taylor yep. and Pete Werner again, because if there's yeah. a short yardage play, man, Pete Werner is not missing that. If it's a third down, Pete Werner is not missing these tackles, dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. <laughs> that dude, he is making a legit case as a pro bowler this year to me, because I don't know if there's a better tackler 
in the NFC at the mm-hmm. very least than Pete Werner. Definitely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I also like the fact defensively is we didn't give up a lot of explosion plays. If any, if any, everything that he threw was a lot of check downs, check downs, check downs. He wasn't giving anything up deep. The secondary tackled better once they came to make the tackle. It wasn't a lot of missed tackles. Usually from what I've seen, the first person that was going to make the tackle usually brought him down in the secondary. You know, so seeing stuff like that, man, is just it's great to see because you can tell that we're on the right track. And for me, the ones that I could say that um, that was the most valuable players out there, like there's a team effort. But to me, I'm giving it to Dennis Allen and I'm giving it to uh, Pete, Pete Carmichael. I'm giving it to those two guys. And the reason why is because, you know, as a coach, it's not just those two guys, but as a total coaching staff, this team has always had the talent. But I feel like they are now getting them to a point to where they're understanding the details, uh, the small things that are messing us up. Because if everything would have went bad and we lost this game, guess what? We probably came in here or the media, the fans probably came here talking about every little thing that the coaches could have done differently. You know, so I'm going to give them their flowers every time they every time it's just due. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to coach in the NFL and it's hard to coach. NFL caliber players like we have. I mean, everybody's, it's just hard to coach in the NFL. And the fact that you can come out and put a zero on the board and put up 24 points and you play great on all facets of the game, man, you got to shout the coaches out because they did a great job. I think it's it gives, goes to the coaching staff's credit to understand that they've had to, to call games differently. Mm-hmm. Um, there has clearly been a difference in the way that they called games early in the season, even and it's and I'm not just saying the transition from from Jameis to Andy, even in the first couple of Andy starts, there's you know from that mm-hmm. to what we saw this Sunday, I think we saw some more aggression again going to Shahid and getting him a big play mm-hmm. early that thirty what well, I think it was a thirty five yard thirty eight yard game to him mm-hmm. again allowing getting the ball out of Andy's hands quickly saying let get it to the playmakers let them do the heavy lifting knowing that you needed to have explosive plays within drives, that you're not good at the 15-play drive. That's not going to happen a lot. So you need to create these plus 20-yard plays every now and then with your tight end, with your Mm -hmm. receivers, with your running back. And they did a lot of that. And also, I don't have a problem. I know a lot of people had a problem on Saints Twitter with them calling in or maybe Sean Payton coming in and consulting. Look, if you got a problem and something ain't working and you talk to the guy who taught you this thing, Mm-hmm. Even though he left the organization and whatnot, if he's available and he says, I see what you're doing, but maybe you should try this not to come in and take over. I don't think that that was what Sean is doing in, in this case. I don't think he wants to be you know, seen as a savior of the same season or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think Dennis is his dude. Uh, Carmichael is his guy. These are people he's trusted for a long time. He don't want to see them fail. He was mm-hmm. obviously a big part of them gets in the positions that they're in. So if they call and say, coach, what do you see? What are we doing that we're not seeing maybe because we're too close to it? Or, you know, are you seeing this from home? Come in and look at the film with us. Maybe you got some ideas. I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, it's not a bad thing at all. And and like I say, to me, it don't even have to be anything about X and O's that he coming to talk about. It could just be coming to talk about just kind of rally the troops because it feels good to have a Hall of Fame coach that has gotten the Saints to a level they've never been at before. 
to come back into the building to talk to the coaches or to just talk to the players. That right there is a confidence builder just to know that your captain, your team, one of your team leaders used to be, has came back because he's because he have a you know an interest in us being great. You know, so I love that just for the simple fact of that. It ain't got to be nothing about X and O's just to come back and motivate the guys because I still feel like we do respond to Coach Payton because he is the guy. When he, when we were trying to – He's always going to be the godfather. He's, He's always going to be the godfather. You know, so I don't have no problem with him coming in the building and talking to the players. Guess what? We won. And that's all we want to do. We're just trying to win. Yeah, we don't know what the, the contents of those conversations were. They could have been just as simple as, hey, stick to what you're doing. You guys – or, you know, uh, you know, uh, like you say, you go to your mentor in times of crisis of confidence. You could just be saying, yeah. hey, you know, I need some reassurance right now from you. And like you said, that guy knows you. He spent a decade mm-hmm. with you, you know, you know, more than a decade with these guys, coaching them up into these positions. Maybe he's just saying – Rely on what you know. You're overthinking yep. it right now. He might not have, like you said, it might not have been nothing about X's and O's. It just might have been about the principles of being the head coach and what that means, being the offensive coordinator and having that autonomy and what that means. It might just be philosophical in nature. Right. But at some point, this is a mental thing, too. The sports are played between the ears, and it's, it's mental, it's psychological, and these things, sometimes you just need somebody to give you a breather. Definitely. Definitely. And like I said, so I don't have any problem with him coming in the building and, and talking to the guys or the coaches. It, it doesn't matter. Truthfully, like I said, the fact he's not on another team right now, uh, and he's not coaching anywhere. So you come on back in the building anytime you want, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Would you turn? I mean, there there's certain people like, you know, it's not like he has an office in the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be something else. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he had, if they had a Sean Payton office and he was there <laughs> yeah. every day, that would be – I'd be a little uncomfortable if I'm Dennis Allen. But if right. I call you and say, come on by, it's my invitation, yeah, I, I don't I don't see the big deal. And I think there was some – I think there was some reassurance that, you know, hey, trust your guys. Like, go deep. Yeah, they're young. Yeah, they're, yep. you know, but trust them. Trust them to make let a me, play. Let me ask you something, though. Now, the fact that we got this victory, we're back – I feel like we're back on on track where we need to be. Do you hold Winston out? Do you hold Jameis out a little bit longer and continue to give Dalton the keys to the car? Or do you get Jameis back in the back in the saddle quick as possible? I mean, I think this is, is like when Taysom was playing for Drew, you know, uh, you know, and, and when it got to the point where teams were figuring out what Taysom was doing, like that Atlanta game where it got offensively, it got real stagnant. And then it, it mm-hmm. was like Drew made the decision. I think Drew may have come back a week early, but, um, but I think with Jameis, with that foot, with the back, if they're winning, yeah, let's let it ride out. Let continuity yeah. ride out. You know, that's my thing. Yep. And I think Jameis, you saw his interactions with his teammates yesterday. I don't think mm-hmm. Jameis at this point, you cannot break that man. Like Jameis, in yeah. his mind, I think he's seen the, the depths. So benching mm-hmm. him now, that don't phase him. He's going to come to work and he's going to prepare like he's the starter because he still be- nobody yeah. believes in Jameis Winston more than he does. And I'm not saying that right. as a negative. I'm saying that as a pure positive because I think that the dude, again, that was a guy I was very hard on when he came out of Florida State. I thought he was immature. But to see what he's become – and to see that he's genuinely worked at it, I think it being a great teammate and being a leader and being humbled 
by the NFL and understanding what that means, I don't think it's a problem for Jameis for a couple more weeks. But if it, if it comes to the point, it's still to me the upside is higher with Jameis. And I want to find out. I'm still paying this man. I want to find out before I mm-hmm. let him go. I just I, I want to know if I'm the Saints because I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't think it, it, it could be this year in the NFC. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's but with Andy, I don't think you make the Super Bowl. I think if Jameis is at the helm, there's a potential there because his upside is just is just higher. And and I don't I don't disagree with you on that. Tell me this. What do you think that because to me, the way we played this weekend, the way we played this weekend, I feel like we look very Super Bowl-ish that we if could. You can if you repeat can, that, yeah. If you can repeat that, where do you feel like that Jameis has more upside? I'm not disagreeing with you, but where do Jameis have more upside than our quarterback, than Andy right now? Like the things I look at, their their completion percentages were essentially the same. When mm-hmm. Jam, you know, before Jameis, I mean, Andy's at 63%, Jameis is at 63%. What you got out of Jameis, they were the yards per attempt were deeper, mm-hmm. um, and the completions were were you, you were able to stretch the field a bit more. Yeah, I think what's worked for Andy is the fact that Michael Thomas has not been there. What has worked for Andy is the fact that he's he's been forced in a situation really to rely on AK and to rely mm-hmm. on some you know these other guys, um, and the running game has picked up. The Saints did not have that same running game too with Jameis. So the play action wasn't working the same way. You know, Alvin wasn't in in stride then at the beginning of the season either. So I think those circumstances there would play out. If you give Jameis this defense, you take away the fumble at Carolina. And I'm not saying Jameis was perfect, but you take some situational things and you change them a little bit. Some field goals that don't get missed or blocked or things like that. And that Mm -hmm. start is a little bit different. How are we looking at what Jameis was doing? You know what I mean? I think we change our perception. And the ultimate is the result. And the result was bad. But now Andy's gotten a couple of wins over the last couple of weeks. But his first couple of starts weren't great. And then, you know, the Mm -hmm. Arizona start, he turned the ball over. And there's still – he does – it seems he gets the ball out faster than Jameis right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's the experience of it. But I worry late in the season with 38-year-old quarterbacks who don't have great arms, if the Saints have to go on the road outside – can he do the things that you need in that kind of game? If you've got to throw 35 attempts, can he make those big plays? And, and his playoff record is a struggle throughout his career. He hasn't won a playoff game as a starter. Mm-hmm. So those are the things. It's just that I think the upside, I think the floor is higher. You know, with Andy, I know exactly what I'm going to get pretty much from him. Um, with Jameis, there's that more variability. Um, but mm-hmm. I think I think that the if you needed a big play, if, you, if I needed that two-minute drive, and I needed that score. Seeing what I saw Jameis do in Atlanta, I don't know if I'd say Andy could do that in the last eight minutes of a fourth quarter. True. That's a good explanation. That is a good one. Uh, so so would you say that it's better to go and get uh, Jameis Winston back in the saddle now as quick as possible, to go and get him back established, uh, run the team, just get more familiar with game time action, compared to waiting later to throw him back in the fire and he doesn't perform as well, and then, it, you know, you drop one late. I mean, I think it just – wouldn't it be situational to me? Like, I think it depends on what's happening. If there's a game and I see a game that maybe if – let's say if next week, weekend the Saints are, are 
losing pretty bad and you put Jameson in the, in the late and he looks good. He's able to move. He's able to throw, even if you don't win, but he looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think he deserves to compete in practice and have that comp- competition be open. And if he has a great week of practice, the mental preparation is there, then let him re-earn, have the opportunity to re-earn it. I don't think you want to just give anything to anybody. You know, you don't want to just give mm-hmm. it. I don't believe in that acronym that you can't lose your job to injury. You absolutely can. If this person is better than you now, then you can right. lose your job to injury. <laughs> but I think he should be given if the if the situation calls for it. If Andy does start to fade again, if something like that were to happen, then Jameis should be given a fair opportunity to earn that job back. Oh, I agree with you. But I, I wouldn't just I make the change for change sake because you got a yeah. rhythm. Like you said, if you have a yeah. rhythm, I'm not going to just upset that. Because, again, there's no gain in it in the draft. Your, your mm-hmm. number one pick is already gone to Philly. So there's no gain in losing on purpose. But if something yeah. happens and the season does get out of hand in one way or another or Andy, you know, isn't effective anymore, then, yeah, I think you should because I want to know. I made this investment in Jameis. I'd at least want to see what a, what a fully healthy one looks like for a couple of games before I make my decision at the end of this season. He may not be the guy I think is the starter for the future, but again, who's available for the short term to lead this franchise? Who out there on the market are you going to go get that's going to be better than what you have at a reasonable cost again if Jameis is on the market? He's not going to cost you $20 million. So no. if a dude wants to be here and he shows you he can play some, I think I'd take him as the backup and mold for the future because Andy's not going to be here in three, four years to mold somebody. But if I had Jameis at 32 still as my backup, I feel mm-hmm. comfortable in that, I think. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I can't even argue that. I can't. I agree with that. I want to get your thoughts on Alante Taylor, though. As a, as a receiver, watching his technique as a rookie, I thought he was physical. I thought he was decisive. And I thought he knew – his assignments very well. He was not playing just off of instinct. He looked like he was a studied corner. What did you see out of Alante? Uh, exactly what you said. Uh, very physical. He's long. Uh, I love the fact that he's confident. To me, of course, you got to have, of course, you got to know your technique. You got to know exactly what you're doing when you're playing defense. You got to know exactly what style the defense is calling for when you're running whatever defense the defense uh defense coordinator has called. But for me, the number one thing that a corner has to have is confidence. Uh, if he don't have confidence and a short memory, he would not last long. Uh, because at the end of the day, you're going to go, be going up against some great receivers. And if you're not confident in yourself, almost an arrogance, that's what DBs have to have, almost an arrogance. It's right on that borderline between confident and arrogant, honestly kind of swaying more to being arrogant. <laughs> Been confident, but that's what you got to have when you at this when you playing defensive back position, especially. And if you can get that at a young age, young coming into the uh, into the NFL, and you have that, oh, you already ahead of the curve, and having a short memory because you're going to get burnt sometimes, you're going to get beat, but you have to forget it and not not allow it and not allow it to kind of snowball until you getting beat more because you're still dwelling on what just happened to you from another receiver. So. He has those traits, and that's what's going to make him a great uh, a great cornerback. And again, it, I think it, it goes back to that draft principle of you take the best player that's available. Like you can't have too many good corners in the NFL. <laughs> and people were like, "Saints right. don't need another corner right now." He was the best <laughs> yeah, player on their board, and now yeah. them injuries hit. You needed him, 
and mm-hmm. he's playing. And I, I just – I think the Saints have done a great job of restocking that cornerback position over the last few years um, and getting these young young players to surround, um, you know, Marshawn Lattimore – who needed, who, you know, who needed that opposite guy. You always have to have a solid number two and a number three in the NFL now because everybody's running three receiver sets all the time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just I, – I, that has been a significant thing. But we also got to get credit. We, did, we haven't talked much about the defensive line, but they, they did a, an outstanding job in just, again, keeping the pocket um, uncomfortable for a guy like Derek Carr who needs to feel comfortable under center. And he never really got to feel – comfortable throughout the game made some poor decisions too and I think the defense gave forced him into those and then of course you get the tip you know up front and uh, which leads to the interception early keeps you on your you know, short field mm-hmm. which we've talked about all season long you get a short field that leads the points the same the first halves the defense sparked that first half really by giving the Saints consistently good field position they did. And like I said, the D-line putting a lot of pressure on. I want to say they had four sacks in the game, uh, nine hits on the quarterback. You know, so like I said, he stayed uncomfortable in the pocket. It didn't matter. Like I said, but that but our defense dominated that game. Uh, like I said, not allowing them to cross the 50-yard line. That by itself is is almost amazing for you, for you not to allow an NFL team that was, if I'm not mistaken, third in the NFL in offense. <laughs> third and not allowed him to cross the 50 till the fourth quarter come on that's that's almost unheard of to stop a team like that you know especially when they was on the roll the way they was on the roll you know so our d-line played their butts off uh our secondary played their butts off they didn't allow any explosion plays talked about it earlier all the passes they caught was kind of dinking dunks because they didn't have anything deep down the field to really go after so uh, i'm just proud of this team man i'm proud of the coaching staff uh, they had to do a lot of studying on these guys uh, to come out and beat a team this way. And on the opposite end of it, Oakland, I mean, not Oakland, but Nevada. <laughs> Is that Nevada? Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> Vegas, the Raiders, man, I'm going to tell you something. It was almost like they didn't study. Mm-hmm. Or they came in looking at and thinking we was a different team than what we were. You know, they they look bad. They couldn't get a rhythm. They couldn't find they couldn't find anything to get going. Uh, again, lastly, I want, got to shout out Taysom again. He, you, yeah, that man, like I said, I, he's the best short yardage back in the league since Cam Newton was doing that. And um, it, it, they they are utilizing him much better and more consistently rather than I think they understand it's not about the gimmicks. It's about the situations, and they've used him in the right situations, and he's been so productive in that. You know what? I will go out on the limb and say that Taysom Hill is the most versatile athlete to ever play the game of football in the NFL. That's a limb. Tell me somebody else that can do what he does, that ever played this game. Not saying that he's the best at one position, but who else can do everything? I'm talking he can play quarterback. He can play running back. He can play tight end. He can be – he can play kick return. He done done these things. He can be uh, – he can play on punt, play all your special teams. Yeah, what I mean, Cordell – Cordell was probably a higher-end athlete because Cordell did play quarterback and lead a team to an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. You know – quarterback, though. 
but he but he started off with slash and he was and as a wide receiver, he had more career catches in a year than Taysom has in his career. We gotta remember that. And Cordell was and he played running back too. And he did, did he have a couple – he did punt return, but he did not – he was not the gunner or anything like that. He was not going right. to be the guy to block. So that's why I say uh, Cordell's skill set purely offensive, mm-hmm. whereas if you want to say football player, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that nod. That I think <laughs> if you had to, if you said, Taysom, I need you to play safety mm-hmm. or play, or you need him to play edge rusher for a second, if you said, Taysom, do that, yeah, he would do that. I wouldn't put Cordell out there to do that. But if I need, if I said Taysom, give me one good rush on the passer, I think he could get there. I, I'll, yeah. I'll go with you on that. I'll go with yeah. you. Okay, I'll go with you on that. He could. I just, I just don't. I just don't see another athlete that has ever played in the NFL that has been as versatile as him because he can do everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we could argue, like like you said, the argument would be, if you're talking about most athletic, yeah, we're not going to put him up there with Dion or Bo or something like that. No. But like you said, the versatility no, of he's he's mm-hmm. legitimately a guy who could play every, or, you know, like not every position. I wouldn't put him <laughs> as a D lineman, but he could play linebacker. Right. He's got the size to play linebacker in an edge situation if you needed him. He could play safety. Mm-hmm. He's got that body type. I'm not playing him at corner, yeah. of course. But yeah. yeah, he's got a safety body type. If Teron Matthew can play safety, then yeah, Taysom could play up near the line of scrimmage <laughs> and hit somebody at the safety spot. So yeah, running back, tight end, like you said, slot receiver, quarterback, yeah. punt returner, <laughs> gunner, up back. Whatever. He's been he's like, yeah. Want. I mean, <laughs> the resume is full. The, the yeah. resume, he he is not. I mean, the only thing he hasn't done yet is kicked, huh? Because he got tackles, he got pump blocks, he got receptions, he's got th- touchdown passes, he got touchdown runs. But the only thing he has done is kick an extra point or a field goal. That's true. And for some reason, I think he has before. For some reason. So, but yeah, we see. might have. <laughs> Taysom might be the only player who's done all of it. Like, he might I'm be. Telling you. It's, I'm but telling it's, you. It, it's a good it, – but, again, it's a weapon to have. And if you utilize it properly and consistently – like, that's the thing. It's not a gimmick. He has to be a part of the offense, not the yep. offense. But you, mm-hmm. teams have to be – every week they've got to prepare for him in real ways, not just in, oh, if they put him in, they might run this. No, you got to deal with that man. Yep. And, and that's a problem. That's a problem. But yeah. a great win. They get to refresh. It's all, Like you said, it's always better to come back into practice after that day off and after you watch film and everything after a win. Um, and to get it that way, yeah, like I said, confidence is so important. You know, this could start. This could be the spark of them making a resurgence. It could be. And and hopefully that's exactly what it is. Uh, like I said, they, they put together a great game plan and they executed it even better. So hopefully it's, it's the start of something great moving forward. Well, we'll be back later this week to get in on the preview for this weekend's contest and that more. It'll get you, keep you updated. But um, y'all know how to keep up with T. Cobber, you know, on Instagram. He's on Twitter uh, every day. And you can follow me at DM Grub. So, TC, until the next time, man. I can't wait to talk to you. We're go Saints. Who that? And um, thank you for listening to Believe in Saints, brought to you by Bet Online. And we'll be back later this week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.